listening to Proof Text, a Glossa House podcast by Dr. T. Michael W. Halcom, Dr. Frederick J. Long, Dr. Mario Melendez, Dr. Jennifer Noonan, and J. M. Smith. Welcome and enjoy. Welcome to Proof Text. I'm Michael Halcom, and this is an interesting episode. We've never done anything like this. We're just doing a roundtable. So we're here in San Antonio, Texas for the annual. AARSBL meeting. That's uh, American Academy of Religion. Yes. Yeah, and Institute of Biblical Research, IBR, yeah. and Society of Biblical Literature. Society of Biblical oh. Literature. Yes, you know that. Um, so we got Fred Long here, and uh, he's a regular on the podcast. Nobody else. Well, JM's a regular on the podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you guys know him. Nobody <laughs> else. Uh, this is Christina, uh, Fred's wife. We got Lisa, Petrus. Or your other. Kutris, All right, Kutris yeah. is fine. And then we have Andrew Kutris, who's also with Glossa House. So, brother which, and sister. Yeah, brother and sister. Brother doctor. Brother doctor. Uh, <laughs> thought it would be interesting to just have a roundtable. I have no idea where this is going to go. I don't have anything planned. Uh, so, I guess I'll throw a question out there and then we'll just riff on it and see what happens. Uh, so, Lisa, your first SBL. Yes. Um, what do you think? Books. Books. <laughs> Lots of books. Oh, the books. It's like the mecca of books. So better. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's a great place for books. It's like waking up in a dream and everything is 50% off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there's about, there's about six to 10,000 scholars from all over the world. Literally every continent is represented. All kinds of disciplines, Christians, non-Christians. There, there were some penguins. Yeah, there might be, yeah. So six out of the seven. So just to give some context. And so they're all kind of converging in San Antonio. And there's about 80 book vendors, maybe, and institutions and religious sects setting up these booths. This is a big hall. And so we're talking about all the books that are. And you guys are right next to the uh, uh, coffee. No, but on the other <laughs> side, but yes. Hare Krishna. The Hindu, there is yeah, a Hindu I, book. Yeah. yeah, so it's all different religions and all different yeah. places. Like, yeah, yeah, and then right across from the JPS yeah. booth. The yeah, yeah. Publication side. yeah. So, Christina, this is your second time at SDL. What do you What do you think? What have you observed so far? Let me put in a sentence. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anything's fair game for a song. That's his last Ooh, game. interpretive dance. Christina is a professional singer. Yeah. So. More confusing than anything else. More confusing. <laughs> What's confusing about it? It's just a different world. Different world. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you're involved in, like, lots of conversations about things that you wouldn't normally be involved in. I mean, you've been going to, like, your friend's paper. I assume you're sitting in there listening to some other paper. Yeah, that'd be really odd, I would think. To... Right, because they're speaking at a super high level. Yeah, no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, if you were talking about music theory, I'd be probably lost, right? Um, yeah, so your second one's kind of confusing for you. It's like books. What about you, James? This is your second time here. Second time, yeah. For me, so I'm not a total... Uh, like deer in the headlights this time, like I was the first time, and it's fun for me. One is just getting to hang out with you guys, so more than just in passing at the booth. That's 
who were actually here together at the house. And um, and getting to, I, I met a number of people last year. And over the past year, I've had, I've built those relationships through Disciple Dojo. And I've had a number of them on for episodes and talk about work and everything. So now when I've come, I can walk into a room and there's a couple of faces that I know. And I, you know, wander through a, a what is it, a, not cocktail hour. Well, I guess they had some cocktails. Perception. But the receptions right. yeah. and not just walk around like, what am I doing here? I don't belong here. You know, like I can. Like me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So like, but you're at least an academic. Right? I'm, you know, a popularizer. So I feel I don't feel as much imposter syndrome this year, okay. um, that as that I did last year. Still, just a little bit. Just talk about it. This is like something I talk about a lot. Um, and yeah. I I can yeah. kind of be cynical about this. Uh, I think in the past, probably around ten thousand people were coming to this on average. I think the attendance is down, maybe a thousand or two maybe 8,000, but I always use this analogy of like, if you could zoom out and look at a map and uh, see where the largest concentration of like ego is at any one point in time, like during SBL, the like map would just like have the largest dot there. But also if you zoomed out and you looked at the same map and tried to pinpoint where the largest amount of insecurity is at one yeah. time, it would be the same exact yeah. spot. Yeah. So there's like this overlap of like ego yeah. and insecurity, which kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, but I don't well, know. My experience. So the first conversation I had with a peer academic, Oxford trained, this guy, I'm not going to mention his name, but I mean, he's a great scholar. But the first, first thing we talked about, he brought it up was the insecurity here. And mm-hmm. we just were talking honestly with each other. I mean, this guy is a top shelf scholar. Yeah. Oxford trained, and we had this really honest conversation. So that was really interesting to begin the conference talking about that. And I said, yeah, you know, so that was good. Yeah. That we all, you know, just that some of my students are wondering how to pronounce this or that. And people said, oh, just pronounce it with confidence, you know. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, so I think we just have to be honest with each other. We try to do our best, but it's um, we're not alone. Other people are feeling the same way. They're feeling an imposter. Nobody knows how to pronounce anything. <laughs> yeah, so you just got to do it boldly. You know, it's multiple pronunciations, anglicized pronunciation, there's Roman, Latin. So, yeah. Well, you do realize that PhD is just four years of undetected competence. <laughs> undetected competence. An Oxford so, scholar told me that. Undetected. So everyone's kind of flying under the radar, trying not to get noticed. Yep, trying not to get discovered by yeah. their advisor. Yeah. They don't actually know anything. Wow, that's uh... interesting. So, I don't know, Andrew JM, what do you what do you think about that? The egoism overlap with uh, sort of the insecurity or imposter. I don't know. So, when I say imposter syndrome, what I'm I'm meaning very specifically, I do not have higher than an MDiv. Like that's the highest of my degree. It's still so, postgraduate. It it is barely, and but it was not even an academically based endeavor. I was just trying to get to seminary and get out and start doing local church ministry stuff. So it's it's I say it tongue in cheek because as an out as a non I always say non academic or academic popularizer, you know, somebody with one foot in the world, uh, I can absolutely detect what you're talking about, and I can see I know enough about it, academia and the 
mannerisms, even when people are presenting papers and asking questions that aren't really questions, oh. they're just trying to get oh. their views. It's very transparent. Somewhere you're right. making a point. Yeah. I thought about doing the, oh, I have a comment, but I'm going to ask more of a question. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. Switching up the paradigm a little. That would be hilarious. I would laugh. I'm like, I would, yeah. I, I don't know how that would be received, but it's like, yeah. When I when the ego stuff comes, like, I want to parody it. Yeah, yeah. That's some. That's the most appropriate response to a lot of high mm -hmm. high ego stuff. Is you just you have to be like, can we all just recognize that this is ridiculous? Yeah. And, and you know, but but at the same time, it's it is it's important to i think for those of you that are seasoned academics to not get cynical uh because <laughs> everybody looks at me this <laughs> no because because what is going on what what has become routine for many people in academia to those on the outside it, they still look to academia for some for professional for professional like competence, commentary, insights, guidance. It's like peer review. I mean, there's a reason that that exists. So it can be easy on the inside to, to see the how the sausage is made and be like, this really is. Yeah. But it, it actually really is. When you have a room full of people that are passionately interested in a topic that's super minute, you know you're getting, you really are getting high level interaction even if it's done with people who are not high level communicators. <laughs> yeah. So. There's different types of discourse going on there. So there's people who are trying to climb up the ladder, they're trying to network in a way or position themselves. Yeah. But then there's other people who are like going a deep dive into something yeah. and they get into this nervy mode and that's really innocent, I think, mm -hmm. you know? And I guess like with an auto mechanic, if there were a bunch of auto mechanics around and, and they had a special time of training, you know, they're going to get into that geeky mode, mm -hmm. like, oh, well, you do it that way. I've always used this and crank it this way. And, oh, well, what about this product? And, you know, most of us wouldn't understand that. But I'm glad that they have those conversations right. because it makes us take drive safe and hard. I had a scholar, I can't remember exactly who it was. I guess I wouldn't drop a name if I did. But somebody here told me, I feel like such a fraud being here. I don't remember who it was. Uh, but that, that's sort of been knocking yeah. around in my head. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I know, it kind of bothers me. Like, I feel like it should be a place to, in a way, come and explore a bit. Yeah. But why Why feel like a problem? Let, let me, it's, let a me high, it's a high performer. That's almost every high performer has a yeah. And, and, and let, me, let me bring in that exact same thing happens in the world of Jiu-Jitsu. When I go to a jiu-jitsu seminar, with, with, and I train every year with like six to five or six world champions, like multiple-time world champions, the best of the best of the best. And I go in there, and I'm a black belt. I've been doing it for, you know, coming up on 15, 16 years. And I go in there, and I sit and listen to them break down a technique and answer some questions. And, work, and I'm like, oh, I don't know any. Like, because you see, you know, the saying is there are levels to this game. And so I think people in, in scholarship, I think it's very similar. People are working so hard and they, they're like, yeah, I kind of know some stuff. But then they actually encounter people who really do have exponentially more knowledge about a thing, not necessarily 
well, but about one area. When you're in the presence of somebody who you recognize their brilliance in something that's very specific, um, it can make you feel it's, it's humble. And, and, and that's when you need people yeah. to come in and be like, dude, you know, you really do know a whole lot. You're just comparing yourself to like the cream of the crop in the field. It's a push to feel that. If you didn't feel inadequate, yeah. there's something wrong. Mm -hmm. I so, would say. So I had another conversation today with a senior scholar, and I'm not going to mention his name. Great guy, humble. But, you know, this is what he said. It's like, I am humble. There's so much when I get to this point. I mean, he's like 70. Well, I studied under a great person in the University of Chicago. He's like, I realize how much I don't know. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, so that's, and I think that's how it should be. Mm -hmm. It should be humbling. Like when we get these degrees, there is so much out there for us to understand. And there should, it really should humble us. And so that we can like, let's talk and learn mm -hmm. together. I'm, I'm going to do this little extra piece here. And these are questions I have. Mm -hmm. And we enter into a dialogue. And then, because we have these little niches, you know, we can't do it all. And um, even though we might try to, uh, but we have to rely on each other's perspective, especially. Like, how many people know about as much as, about Apollo in Asia Minor? You know, it's funny that they like they went to one talk tonight, and I'm, I'm listening to her talk about her book. I'm like, yeah, you're not telling me anything new. But then I was thinking, like, well, you know what? I'm glad you're getting this stuff out because that's kind of what I was trying to do. Well, okay, mm -hmm. good for you. Because I'm starting to get jealous. Of, no, no, no. Yeah. Like, and that's frustrating, too, yeah. when you know something that someone else does it, what you could have done if you would have spent two years cranking it out. That's hard. But the point is, it's getting out there and people maybe yeah. will start thinking differently. Yeah. Mm. Does this happen in music? Do you have these kinds of things in performance? Oh, yeah. theater, same kinds of issues. Can yeah. you tell us about that? What's that like? Scary. Yeah. 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 Do you ever have you ever dealt with that personal? Like I feel like a fraud. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like who am I to be doing this? Yeah. Yeah. You're just uh teaching in Italy. Do you you were talking a little bit about some of the stress of that. Was that creeping in there or no? No. Um, no, but it, it can happen plenty, especially if, if put on the spot that I know that people are also watching me to know, like, what can she do? Mm. And then then it definitely creeps in. It will not creep in. It can be over, overwhelming. Yeah. The anxiety of the performance. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't, if you don't audition well, you don't get the job. Right. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um I think that happens for us trying to get that weird crap position, you know, and um yeah, that job interview. Um and then teaching in front of people, you know, at the very special time. I don't know if I've school. ever felt like a fraud in the guild. Like the I don't know if I've ever had that. I've certainly been frustrated a lot. And there have been times where I feel like maybe not a fraud, but I'm not part of the clique. I'm not part of the 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 group, the popular group, which is I've come to like yeah. terms with that in my own way, realizing I'm gonna be me regardless. But um the the fraud thing I don't know, that kinda like just hit me in a certain way when I 
heard that. I don't remember who said it, but I feel like such a fraud being here. The word said to me. And, mm -hmm. um, well, you have to know, are they, are they being hyperbolic? Yeah. Or are they genuinely, did they, because it, it could be a problem if they genuinely feel like a lot of fraud. Because I'd be like, well, what have you been lying about? But if they're just being, you know, so hyperbole, you know, then I could very much relate to that. Or I thought it possible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've heard that so much when people, people feel like a fraud with academics. Mm -hmm. Like, that's such a common refrain here. Tell us more about that. Like, where, what context? It was just imposter syndrome. You yeah. know, you just feel like, you know, the more you get into your doctorate, the more you realize how much more other scholars know, how much mm -hmm. more you don't know. Because as you're digging into it, you realize there's so much that you can't know yet. And, and then you go and you try to teach undergrads and like, well, remember, you know more about this than them, so yeah. don't try to give them all the contingencies of it could be this, this, or this, and this person takes this, person disagrees. You know, and so the, the more you dig into this knowledge, the, the more unsettling it is when you realize how much you don't know. And then when you know how much you don't know, you feel like them. I mean, that's precisely what PhD teaches you. It teaches you how much you know, but like it teaches you the limits of your knowledge. Yeah. I don't know all of this. I know this and nothing else. But even in that, <laughs> mm -hmm. there's so much more you can do that's not For done, sure. yeah. and there's so much that's missing. That you know, you know that that all these things are not certain, and that just you know, you can't just make a statement that these things are true when it's kind of uncertain. And have you? And where can you admit that ambiguity? Can you admit it in the church setting? I think that's, I think a lot of pastors have to preach it a certain way and they they can't say, well, there's two or three good options here. I'm leaning for this option, you know. So then there's like a false sense of, I gotta know what it means kind of way. I'm wondering if people kind of get stuck in thinking, I, I need to know for certain. But I don't think we need to. I think we can say there's ambiguity here. But I wonder if you put a lot of pressure that I ought to know better, but I don't. I also think there's a difference between or getting into like epistemology or whatever. Yeah. But you know, I think there's a difference between claiming <coughs> to know something for certain, and then like as a preacher preaching that with conviction. I have no problem with people that giving multiple views or saying this is just my perspective or. I was just preaching on the end of Mark 9, and there's uh, this unnamed man who can't perform an exorcism, and the disciples are saying, we told him to stop because he's not following us. We don't know who that person is. The text never says. Nevertheless, like, I gave my hypothesis, but I also say John Wesley, he, he thought he knew who it was, right? Um, and so I think that giving of options is fine, but then also saying, I may not know, but here's my perspective, and doing that with some conviction, laying out some based on my present level of understanding, like, here's what I think. So demonstrating, inquiring, seeking evidence, laying out evidence, and also being humble about it. Yeah, I, I was taught uh, early on in my ministry, my first full-time ministry, the pastor taught me that phrase, at my present level of understanding. <laughs> and that's always uh, stuck with me. So I can preach or speak here with conviction, um, with the sort of disclaimer that, that this is my present level of understanding. Uh, 
And I've also done this thing where I've had to come back as a preacher and say, a few weeks ago I preached this, and I don't, I think I was wrong. I have something I haven't really seen a lot of in the guild. Um, this what once you put it's like once you put something out there in a paper, it's forever written in stone. Uh, maybe you guys know examples of people who change their minds or. Well, in fact, yeah, no, no. It, it, it was actually kind of fun. Um, I guess as like I said to uh, some of you, it's like I'm not really trying to play the game anymore. I'm just trying to do, yeah. what I, do what I want, which I think helps me be more authentic. Yes. So on the paper I was given on Tuesday, I had an understanding. I was reading it one way. Uh, of, hey, I was reading it as a treat. Uh, but it could also mean closet. And so one of the papers that came before, he argued that it was meaning plaza, or like yeah. instead of streets of gold, maybe a plaza of gold with a fountain or a river in the middle, things like that, you know, different stuff like that. So when I came up with my papers, like, you know, I think he's right. I was going with this reading, but I think he's right on this. He's, mm. he's convinced. I don't think much about what I said, but that's what I'm going to go with. Yeah. 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 I'm sure those conversations, even on the spot. So it makes me think about what's the solution? Like, if this is the problem, then what is the solution to it? You know, why is this happening? Actually? The imposter syndrome. Yeah, why does the imposter syndrome happen? And how would it change? How does it need to change? Well, I would give one solution, looking at just the meetings that I sat in today and yesterday and listening to it. I, w- I wish there was a way to shift the focus from presenting papers to talking face-to-face. And there were numerous sessions that they literally a brilliant paper is being read, but he, the guy is having to speed read it so that there's enough time, not just yeah. to finish the session, but then maybe have a couple of questions. Yeah. I think that does everybody a service. I think if you have the number of presenters in a session and not have four presenters, you have two presenters, and then you have half of the session devoted to mm-hmm. them talking to each other and people in the room, then it becomes actual talking rather than just what it yeah. could be a pocket. Because posturing is like, I got to present my thing and then I'll field some questions to show that I've really done the work and competent and, and they're trying to show off and I'm trying to show off. It's very performance, whereas, and not all, but just a couple of the sessions lend themselves to that than I thought. And I was just sitting there thinking, it would be so good to just do a work, save half these papers yeah. for another time yeah. and just talk to each other and let us listen. And I think it wasn't the scholastic uh, medieval time that they do education where they, where they had dollars and they would adopt a position that wasn't even their own. Mm-hmm. But for the sake of argument, they'd pair off with a colleague and they'd go at it. Mm-hmm. And they would argue in front of people and that was like what they learned from. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Some of the best sessions I've been to was like an open Bible study. Mm-hmm. And they really open text. That's really rare. Mm-hmm. And you spend time, one person depositing, and then there's questions, and then you're going back and forth. And you're really soaking in the text. Yeah. So I totally yeah. agree with the model of half an hour papers. Especially when people don't write their papers to be heard. They write it to be read. Mm-hmm. It's just, it can be like, even if it's really good yeah. material. It took me a while to learn that. Mm-hmm. No, like, write it like a talk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, that makes sense. 
Yeah. 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 It's huge. Like, oh yeah, I'm gonna use the crack in there. You know? Mm-hmm. I, well, I think this. You know? Seems like this is very. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Your sentences get very much shorter. And, uh, but but I don't think that's how writing should be, you know, when you're well, writing right. a book. I think right. it should be, I want to read a book. Look, but oratory is a completely different too. Oh, the opposite yeah. of Meatburg. <laughs> I hate reading books. It's just like so many words. It's so never, many words. It never, never lets up. It's just page <laughs> after page of words. Um, so good. I'm going to give you guys up. Y'all know Nate Morganson? No. You've got, he's one of the, so he's the, one of the best, most popular stand-ups right now. Entirely clean. His whole act is He's, I don't know if he, he might be, a, he's very Christian adjacent. A couple of the guys on his podcast are openly Christian. And I think, but, yes, well, his parents, yeah. yeah. And, uh, but yeah, listen to Nate Barnett. He's got mm. a special one that. We got to see him live several months ago. He was he's so, so very so dry. Throw, throw some pictures in there. Let me get my head above water. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So we got cutting, I mean, that's really practical, cutting uh, sessions in half and having more face-to-face session. What else? I, I think... That might make papers better, too, because it's more collective. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, see, right now, though, they're trying to have representation. Right. Ethnicity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, that, that's a whole other discussion, because... That moves away from the merit of a paper and the merit of research to something that maybe has nothing to do with the, the quality of the research. So maybe having more options, having that as one model that is represented, and then having the model alongside a different mm-hmm. section. Different yeah. So the rhetoric of religious antiquities, they have three sessions, so three two hour sessions. One of them is a practical where it's more session. Mm-hmm. One of it. And that's David Bauer went to the, that one, and he said it was the best session I've ever been to. Well, so we good. had that exposition and time for question, room, and state talk. And this is how all the, the performance criticism worked out. It's open like that. Yeah. I can say one of the things that has tripped me up is the lack of problems. They're just not available for a lot of sessions. Yeah. And yeah. I, I do not learn by listening. Mm-hmm. I learn by seeing. And so it's so hard for me to follow the papers as they're being yeah. read. Whereas yeah. even if they read them and there was a PowerPoint with the yeah. main point, I, I feel like I do better. Yeah. And in fact, the one I really enjoyed today had a PowerPoint, yeah. and I, it was so much yeah. better. And they can be so clever the way that people come through and you can blend images. And you can, one guy had a guy flipping a coin, the coin presentation. So the Greek presentation that I gave, no power, no video projection. So we're talking about the same passage. And you know, I was I thought I was gonna have it. So I had to oh, just yeah. you know, talk and uh and it was really struggling, you know, for, for Yeah, they should tell it that ahead of time. Yes. Yeah. There were a lot of presenters that thought they would have it. Yeah. It's expensive. I think right. for the room to have it was like six hundred dollars. If they're not gonna for like a two two hour session. If they're not gonna pay for that, they should let us know or maybe yeah. charge us plus or yeah, <laughs> I think even how to hand out well, you you come prepared with yeah. that yeah. if you knew. Mm-hmm. But then you don't always know your room size. Yeah. I mean, I've been in rooms that were like 20 people, and then there's other rooms that hold 100 people. You don't know. And so you come there with 15. 
Yeah, yeah. or paper. But therapy. those 15 people are better off for it. Yeah, they are. I think something interesting, too, I mean, at least in, in the doctoral side of things, um, that imposter syndrome, it can be sort of baked into all of the pressure to be presenting, the pressure to be riding, the pressure to be climbing and making a name for yourself, the yeah. pressure to be butt-kissing, you know, like, all of that stuff, I, I think it's very toxic. And, making Okay. And, and unhealthy in a lot of ways. That's the kind of stuff they don't really deal with in the doctoral world. Like, mm. and, but that's the kind of stuff they should really deal with. Mm. Like, okay, kind of, this is how you're going to feel. You're okay. Every, yeah. Everybody feels this way. You work there, it just yeah. means you're a high performer around other high performers who are specialized in things yeah. that are similar, but not the same. At our booth today, I saw uh, Trimper Longman. And uh, he's standing there looking at some of our, our books, and probably an undergrad or an MDiv student or something like that. And he turns and he introduced himself, Trimper Longman, and he's like, "You came to our university, I don't know, a couple of years ago, and you gave an excellent talk on on proverbs." And you know, Trimper was uh, so generous towards this young guy. Thank you. You know, I'm very, I'm very pleased to have done that, and I appreciate. You saying the kind words yeah. and uh, from sort of a high caliber scholar like that to like watch that interaction it's kind of moving for me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so because you can see a lot of the opposite, the sort of high food, um, you know, like back away, who are you kind of thing. Um, I'm so not celebrity here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was, I mean, he's he's at the top, right? Yeah. Like, and it was really cool. I think I've seen a change, honestly, in our field. I don't think we have as much arrogance as we used to see a decade so. ago. Yeah, I think so. I, I don't know. I, I think so. But I don't know if I'm seeing it differently. Uh, maybe it's just to the sessions I'm not at or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do think there's kind of a change. Because some of that is just not as tolerated. I don't know. Maybe I think it's a gen. I could be a little bit of a gen. They were all retired in COVID nineteen. Ten years ago, this is my tenth anniversary of SEO. Wow! Two thousand thirteen in Baltimore. So you notice any? I feel like the paper. There are not as many interesting papers. People are like strapped, trying to. They're scraping for ideas. This is. I'm looking at. This may be totally me. But I look through the, the analog of things and just like, don't care, don't care, don't care. Don't Some care. more obscure stuff. Or just stuff I, like, like I was telling you the other day, the Polish Necklacea one, that was the one that's like, I know I'm going to get something good there every time, and it's not there anymore. And mm -hmm. some of the other ones I like, like rhetoric and religious antiquity or the ritual stuff, it's really hit or miss to me whether or not I'm interested in They used to be better. It's become very ideological. Fractured. A lot of special interests. Yeah. A lot of special interests, especially around the identity stuff. Uh, but I don't, I don't go to sessions hardly at all anymore unless I'm giving a talk. I can't remember the last paper. So I really like the numismatic section today. Flying kind of high. The Greek one was kind of 
expect something different. And we didn't have the dialogue. And in fact, the organizers said, yeah, we're all different. The only you did what we were thinking and hoping everyone would do, oh, wow. which was to talk about pretext and time. And so I want to brainstorm with her about how can we, she said, how can we help me reword the false paper so that we can have that game? Where I think it's like a dialogue. It's just like, I read this verse this way. I think that if someone one minute, explain what you're saying there. What question do you have? Kind of like what we do with the main yeah, questions. Yeah. Well, let them answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> give them some time to answer. <laughs> yeah. So, how will this change? I think it's kind of mentored. I think it has to be modeled by the faculty. I think the faculty person has to model the kind of humility. I think students can have a chance to present these papers and get experience kind of getting in there. Not getting ruffled. So, JM, would you would you ever propose a paper to present here? Or? I don't think I have anything to contribute that way. I don't think I have like like I don't I, I don't think I have anything that I would ever say about scripture that somebody hasn't already said. Mm -hmm. I think I would if they were asking, hey, we're going to do a session about. Getting it from academia to the unwashed masses, <laughs> and they do have sessions like that. I would happily contribute to something like. You know what? I've got a project that me and you probably contribute on that you would probably. Yeah, I'm all for that kind of thing. Yeah, to do. I mean, I have a few things that I feel like if I had to keep on something, it would probably be this. And but I, you know, I, I don't have a burning desire to publish anything or to be published. Okay. What about? Yeah. Well, I do have a book about how Bruce Lee shaped my name. But it's an e book. So I'll tell you my idea later. <laughs> yeah, I remember you Yeah, it's a fun one. one. Yeah. All right. I'm ready to get back to work. <laughs> well, so, Lisa, you, have you, well, you've presented at other conferences and you've given talks. You've been keynote. Yeah. Yeah. You I mean, yeah. you have fans here. Yeah, really. Yeah. I mean, I've seen two or three times. People's like, "Oh, I got to And you've gotten on the podcast twice since you've been here. Oh, it's like I'm the Bible scholar, and people are saying my name. It's like, hey, you know Lisa Cooper? <laughs> right there, cook off to her. You've done a good job, sort of helping. Oh, it's good. Helping and encourage, like some attention her way. Well, I'm going to write her cocktail. Yeah, that's all right. Go. I see what's going on here. Well, you're the reason I got the word. Oh, there you go. Wow. <laughs> Anyways, would you present here? Or is that of interest or not really? Yeah, actually it is. Um, it would be interesting to see what it would be. I mean, I'd probably be talking in logos. Oh, um, there was one I was going to tell you about it really. They have a film section. Yeah. And that's actually got some really interesting stuff there. Occasionally, so. mm -hmm. but yeah, the, the films that I saw listed weren't of my interest. Well, then yeah. do a good one. Yeah. <laughs> in the Bible and uh, media, we probably check out that. Okay. Is that SDL? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, I'm in AAR, but I think I'm going to move over. Yeah. And look at IBRP. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is kind of what happens when we come to this conference. We sit around and talk and nerd out. And just giving you a view into this, 
Uh, we're all in this house. I guess you call it the Glosa house. This is the Glosa house. <laughs> this is what I've been called. Uh, that was cool. There's been, <laughs> there's been nine or ten of us here, and a lot of y'all, well, all of y'all have been helping to do it at some, de some degree or at some level. So, yeah, I appreciate that. And, hey, thanks for watching. Uh, thanks, Jayden, and everybody else. Um, yeah, uh, check out Disciple Dojo. Check out Lisa's book again on Tolkien. Uh, check out Fred's stuff on Blue's House. Check out Tolkien's music. I don't buy that anywhere, but and uh, Andrew, what can they check out? Your dissertation. Yeah, what's the title? Uh, Chaos and Clairvoyance. Asia, uh, Apollo and Asia Minor, and in the Apocalypse. Is it searchable on online databases? It is on ProQuest and it's on my Academia website. Available for download with all the typos. All right. <laughs> I love that you had to like pause on the subtitle for a second. And who was on your committee? I mean, you had Witherington on your committee. Right? Uh, and you. Yeah. And then David DeSilva was like, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a top. <laughs> yeah. Fred include himself in the top knot crew. Yeah. I'm talking about those guys. <laughs> Well, thanks for watching. Um, share this, like it, and uh, yeah, we appreciate it. Until next time, aloha. Interested in growing your ancient language skills but not sure where to start? Glow's House can help. From illustrated readers and short stories to lexicons and grammars, Glow's House offers a variety of resources for beginning, intermediate, and experienced ancient language learners. Head to glow'sahouse.com today. Glow's House language resources for the global community.